Welcome to this special joint episode of the Out of Order and Common Ground podcasts. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and today we're bringing you double the insight by teaming up with our partner, the German Marshall Fund of the United States. We are delving into Germany's federal election, a vote that will help determine who will succeed Angela Merkel as the first new chancellor in her country in 16 years. It's a horse race, worthy of big hats and jockey silks. But pundits also describe this German campaign season as lackluster. Opinion polls show the preferred candidate for chancellor being none of the above. And no political party stands out as a favorite, including Merkel's conservatives, who in early September were trailing their junior coalition partners, the Social Democrats. So why are German voters struggling with their choice? And how are the political parties trying to turn that around? GMF Senior Transatlantic Fellow Suda David Wilp, who is the organization's deputy director in Berlin, talked to key players of the three factions who are expected to be the top vote-getters. We begin with excerpts of her interview with Tobias Hans of the CDU, who is the premier or minister-president of the German state of Saarland. You know, the Grand Coalition in Germany is usually thought to be a temporary construct. It's an arrangement that's not supposed to have a long shelf life, but it has been under the era of Merkel. Um, What have been the positive and negative aspects of a Grand Coalition in Germany? Well, of course, if one is together with another party in a coalition for that long of a period, it changes not the party itself, but it changes the way you're approaching political topics. And then after a period of time, it strengthens the smaller parties. It strengthens the parties like the Greens, the Liberal Democrats. And we knew that this was happening even before the last general elections. And that is why we were originally headed towards a new coalition of the union, so speaking of the CDU and the CSU, and also the Greens and the Liberal Democrats. But unfortunately, the Liberal Democrats did not want to do it together with us. And so we had to go on with the Social Democrats. This is probably something that was not originally intended, neither by the union nor by the Social Democrats. And it gave us troubles. Minister President Hans, the CDU has had a very strong footing in post-war German politics, occupying the chancellery for much of that time. But um, right now, the CDU is really lagging in the polls. Nobody ever thought um, that the SPD would leapfrog ahead. What does the CDU need to do to regain its position as a catch-all party amid all this political fragmentation? Well, it is important for the, the CDU to stay a people's party. And we want to stay this. And for this reason, it is important to ask ourselves how we can structure the necessary changes in in our party, but also in society. In other words, how can we engage for an energy policy for better climate protection, engage for digitalization and development towards an industry 4.0, as we call this. We want to transform our industrial core in Germany to the better in order to stay industrial country as we are at the moment. And we have to do it as a bigger people's party in such a way that people do not get left behind. So 
what we're doing different from, let's say, the Greens, we're not just focusing on the energy policy on, on the one hand as a, as a one-topic party. We are trying to get this done without job losses. And this determines uh, also, in my opinion, um, whether future generations will also be able to live well in Germany. And this is what is it is about. I do not think that we can endeavor new voting groups without taking care of our future, without taking care of how we make sure people are able to live well in Germany. And that is also why we're doing it on a different approach than the Greens, for example, do, which are doing good in opinion polls among the younger people. We have to appeal as much as we want to appeal to younger people, the elderly. We have to reach women just as much as men. If we want to stay people's party. We have to reach out to the workers. We see that the social democrats are more and more failing to reach the workers. So we have to do it too. But we have to take care of the entrepreneurs as well. So this is the field we're working on at the moment. That's just difficult to stay people's party because, of course, some people say, well, they're trying to, to do it right for everyone. And we have to tell them that we're not just trying to, to tell people what they want to hear. But what we're trying to do is we want to keep Germany as the country it is. A place to live well, a place for peace, for freedom and prosperity for a broader population. So you say the CDU needs to position itself as a party focused on modernizing Germany and attract new voting groups like young people. But at the same time, your chancellor candidate, Armin Laschet, is pitching himself as a continuity candidate, basically a Merkel 2.0. So how can you sort of square both of those things together? Well, the first side, it's a good thing that he wants, together with us, to continue our progress as a country and to continue the successful politics of Angela Merkel. That's a good thing. But on the other hand, Amin Laschet has also presented a, well, what I would call a wide-ranging program to modernize a country. He's the minister-president of the largest German federal state. And he has a wealth of experience, and he has proven that he can move a federal state forward economically and also technically. Uh, I would say, after all, he, being a minister-president, but also being a big party leader, Amin Lashid is a master of bringing together different trends. You actually um, initially supported minister-president Marco Soda of Bavaria, so really, I mean, it seems like the party is not that united going into this election behind uh, Armin Laschet. How is the party going to bring its different segments together ahead of this election? That is true. And we were in a lucky situation that we had two candidates that were, that were both well able to perform as a, as a candidate. And we have decided now on Armin Laschet and what is amazing is how much even the CSU and how much even Markus Söder is now standing behind Armin Laschet and supporting him. And of course, both are totally different types, which is also a treasure we have as a People's Party, that we have these different kinds of people. As well, 
as Armin Laschet stands for for the center of the party of um, bringing together the ANS, Söder is also able to reach other voter groups, people living in rural areas, for example, which is still the majority of the people in our country. He can reach out in a special way also to younger people who are interested in engaging in the climate crisis because he's known for um, having been um, a minister for environmental issues. And that is a good thing that we have both candidates or both men in, in their positions in order to gain a, a great victory in the elections. And both will help to bring the different sides, the, the different wings in our party together. I'm pretty sure this will work out. Let's talk a little bit about the CDU platform. Um, the election program promises no new taxes and a balanced budget. So basically, ad adherence to the so-called Schwarzenegger, the black zero. But now uh, the party's economic policies addresses future challenges as well in a world that's rapidly changing, um, considering COVID, but also because of technological shifts. So how will the party think about investing for the future? Well, we have seen that the coronavirus pandemic has shown a light on our weak spots, on Germany's weak spots. And once the pandemic is over, we definitely will have to modernize our country. We need a push for the future. And for that, we need to focus on three elements. A resolute climate protection politics, economic strength, and also social security. And of course, this involves that we get rid of our bureaucracy. We have a bureaucratization that is just in many ways too much for the people. First and foremost, we must release startup companies, for example, from this burden of unnecessary bureaucracy in our country. And we have to make the whole administration more citizen friendly, so to say. Fewer rules, simpler rules, and fewer regulations. And this is what is in our, in our platform in our program for this election. And of course, it includes the digitalization of our country. We need a better digital infrastructure. We have seen this in the pandemic. We need, and that is, in my opinion, this is more important. We need more digital workflows in our administration. The citizens need to see that we're really changing the country to the better. And this is why the CDU will lie priority in what we call technology transfer. Um, we're, we're known as a, an industrial country. We have the big factories, but we're also known for a country of outstanding research. Unfortunately, the transformation from research to industry, that happens too often abroad, not in our country. And we need to change this. Suda also spoke with SPD European Parliament member Katarina Barley. She previously served in Merkel's cabinet and was secretary general of her party. So Katarina Barley, you know, the Social Democrats have really managed to introduce things that are near and dear to their hearts, such as a minimum wage. But as you know, the Grand Coalition hasn't been a winning proposition for the party. It's really weakened the party. And even if the SPD manages to um, come out ahead in this election and have a chancellor in the name of Olaf Scholz, 
Do you think it could return to the days of capturing over 30 percent of the electorate? Uh, we ended up with these coalitions that uh, we as social democrats were not really in favor of, especially the last one. But of course, especially in these tri- times of crisis that we had faced, um, this grand coalition has also been a source of stability. And uh, I think we can see how Germany um, overcame these different crises. I think for the country, it was actually a good solution. Barley had more to say. What a lot of analysts also say is that we are kind of victim of our own success because we have always fought for the rights of people who are not so well off from the beginning, who are not the rich kids, um, the ones who, who have to fight through life. And if you look at Germany now, um, the main problems, of course, are solved. And there is no no one who has to work 80 hours a week anymore or who has to die in the streets or who um, does not get uh, health insurance, for example. So I think a lot of people who actually still need us, they don't feel this urgency anymore. And the last point maybe to put uh, is that once you are in this spin, um, which, of course, the other parties feed, yeah, well, this is a, a party that nobody needs anymore and it's old-fashioned and la-la-la-la-la, it's really hard to get out of this in, in these times because it, it creates an image and, and then people don't want to belong to the party that loses. Katarina, the title of the SPD's election program is Future Respect Europe. What does that mean in terms of how the party is going to position itself moving forward? And what do you say to criticism that your party is of a bygone era? Well, it is precisely an era for the SPD. This is what it makes makes it so ironic because um, the SPD has always been strongest and most needed in times of change. And we are in an era of change. So these three topics are about this. So the one, if you take future, it's about uh, if we want to solve the problems that we are having, it's not by using the recipes of the past. And it's not by, you know, what, for example, the conservatives are doing, but also what the Greens are doing. I mean, they then want to raise the price of uh, CO2, Okay, but who's going to, the rich ones are still going to fly to the Caribbean and the poor ones can't afford um, to spend a holiday in the south of Spain anymore. So it's not about that. It's, it's about finding intelligent ideas. It's about supporting research, etc. Um, and of course, doing digitalization more intelligently that we're, than we're doing it at the moment, etc., etc. So there's a lot of this in the future chapter. Um, respect is the DNA of the social democracy. So it's about all these people, especially now in the pandemic that we see, that we depend upon, and who are not getting their fair share. I mean, this is the classical um, narrative of the social democracy. And and we think that this is actually now the time where everyone realizes that we are right and that we have been right for a very long time. Introducing the minimum wage. 10 years ago, you could find, especially women, selling bread in the bakery, and they worked for five euro an hour. This was legal in the rich country of Germany. So now is the time to acknowledge that we should show this respect for all the people who deserve it. 
And of course, in this chapter, you will also find a lot about diversity of the society, about, about a lot of things, but I'll just try to make it very short. The social democracy, our party, um, already had the vision of a united Europe in its party program, you won't believe it, in 1925. So imagine what this country, this Europe, this world would look like if in 1925 people had realized how right we were. I mean, we wouldn't have had Hitler, we wouldn't have had a Second World War. So, and now we are again at a time where we have to decide, do we want to be not only a part of this European Union, but a motor in this European Union? This I can say as a member of the European Parliament, the European countries are always looking towards Germany because we are the, the biggest economy, because we are the biggest population. We are located in the center of Europe. So it is extremely important that we take this responsibility and make the most of it. And, and there are so many questions that we cannot solve anymore on a national basis. These are three big, say, clusters um, where you can really see, if you want to, that the idea of social democracy is more modern than, than, than it has been for a long time. Um, your chancellor candidate, who is Germany's finance minister, Olaf Scholz, hopes to bring the SPD to victory this September. But does Olaf Scholz really represent the party? How will he appeal to different factions within the party, uh, particularly um, to the left-leaning ones? Coming back to your first question, um, these these grand coalitions were not popular within the party at all because, of course, you have to make huge compromises. So there was this longing in the party to be able to speak out more openly of what our original ideas are for our politics, to not always have to compromise in the communication with, with voters and with, with the own um, members. So to elect heads of the party that are a little, well, if you, if you want to put it that way, a little more left, um, but especially who are not members of the government and who can always say this is the pure position of the party. And then to have a chancellor candidate, which these two propose and fully support, and you, you will not find anyone who will tell you differently. I mean, he represents what you can do in a government. And he is an excellent vice chancellor. He is an excellent minister of finance. He, he really knows what he's doing. So, so I think this is a good combination. We only have to get rid of this, of, of this strange spin, you know, that we are having uh, that I talked about earlier, um, that there is no way that the SPD can, can win. This is complete nonsense. If you have a look at recent polls, who the people would favor as a chancellor, uh, there was a poll comparing Olaf Scholz to Armin Laschet, uh, Olaf Scholz to Annalena Baerbock, and Annalena Baerbock to uh, Armin Laschet. And if you had a look at, at the comparisons, it was, it was Olaf Scholz who was the most popular so, yeah, let's, let's wait and see. Suda also interviewed another Katharina. This one, Katharina Schulze, is parliamentary leader of the Greens in the Bavarian State Parliament. 
So how is the sudden advancement and the opinion polls of the SPD affecting the Greens election campaign? Um, It's really been quite a surprise to see the SPD leapfrog ahead and actually be up front in the polling, even ahead of the Christian Democrats and the CSU. Are you seeing the same sort of SPD bump in Bavaria? And how is this affecting the Green Party? I think it's a very uh, interesting time where we are living in because the federal election um, here in Germany is a really close race. The Conservatives, the Social Democrats, and we as the Green Party. So um, there's still everything open and the people uh, have uh, a couple more weeks to decide who should uh, lead uh, the next German government. When I'm looking at the numbers of the polls of the SPD in Bavaria, I can't see that they're that far ahead. Uh, In Bavaria, we as the Green Party are still the second strongest party um, regarding to our last uh, state election where we finished uh, the election with 17.6%, our best uh, result ever. So uh, you can definitely say um, there are no longer two big parties in Germany, but three. And we as the Green Party are one of them. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely true. I mean, for the first time, the Greens have put forward a chancellor candidate. And, you know, each of the three parties definitely has a shot to capture the chancellery when Angela Merkel steps down. But nonetheless, if the Greens were to take the um, role of kingmaker, as they've done in the past, would it be more welcome to have the SPD as the senior partner rather than the CDU? I had the feeling that at the last debate, Annalena Baerbock maybe prefers working with Olaf Scholz rather than Armin Laschet, or maybe I'm reading things differently. I mean, I have a really strong opinion about uh, the, the uh, options of government. I think we are living in uh, 2021. You cannot say, oh, I just want to go together with these parties or that parties. Um, You have to be open to all democratic parties. And then you have to sit on on the table after the election and try to get as much green topics into a government as possible. Of course, there is a red line and that is the AfD, the right-wing party. But with every other democratic party, we as a Green Party should talk after the election. And then it's important that we can as much green issues as possible put into um, the contract um, regarding climate protection, regarding social security, regarding uh, democratic issues. So uh, I would say if the people in our country wants us Greens in the government, we will govern with the party where we can put the most greenish uh, things in the contract. Right. And of course, you know, you're not a single issue party anymore. As you mentioned, you know, the Greens have a platform that have policies regarding many different issues, but certainly climate is um, central to sort of the DNA of the party and the environment. Which party do you think would sort of fit more ideologically in terms of what the Greens want for the uh, future when it comes to fighting climate change. Are there much differences between the SPD and the Greens, for example? If I'm honest, if you want climate protection and if you want to have a strong voice uh, for taking steps toward a um, CO2 neutral society, then we need really, really strong Greens. 
because the SPD and the Conservatives, they're always talking about climate when they are asked. But if you're looking what they did to protect our climate, there you can't see much. Um, because the SPD and the Conservatives are uh, governing Germany for a long time now. And if you're looking at uh, the climate issues and the climate policy, you don't see a big difference between the policy of the Conservatives and the policy of the SPD regarding climate protection. So I'm 100% sure um, that it's our job as a Green Party to uh, really negotiate a lot of uh, climate protection issues and topics into a contract and because the other parties are only um, the nice weather parties, but they're not really having an, an, an idea and a strong will to uh, get to a CO2 neutral society. And Katarina, certainly younger voters are attracted to um, the Greens' commitment to fighting climate change, and many Green voters are younger Germans. What role do you see them playing during this election? Do you think there will be a high turnout among young voters, considering the majority of German voters are older? I mean, I guess the Green Party really does rely on this demographic. A lot of young people are voting for the Green Party. That's because the young people know that we only have one planet. And if we are not saving it, we're going to have a problem altogether. So um, I'm really interested how the voter turnout among the young people will be at this federal election. And I think it's going to be uh, good uh, um, as in the other elections as well. But interesting facts. Uh, we're getting stronger and stronger also um, at the age group of the elderly voters. In Baden-Württemberg, the neighbor state of Bavaria, where Winfried Kretschmann is the MP, he uh, got a lot of votes the last election from the old people. 35% from people over 60 were voting for him and for a green government. So we are gaining a broader voter base and that's probably also because we as a Green Party are getting older, so our voters are getting older too. Yeah, this is true. I think the German political system, there are no absolutes anymore <laughs> when you consider um, the polls and, you know, what the status of the catch-all parties are and the fact that the Greens could actually capture the chancellery this year. But how about the coronavirus pandemic, um, Katarina? How has that affected the Green Party platform. Do you see um, a shift in priorities in light of the pandemic? Um, as a Green Party, we are a party who always listen to science, not only regarding to climate protection, but also regarding in fighting COVID. And you could easily see that the debate in Germany is about two lines. On the one hand, there are all the people who are talking about coronavirus is a hoax and you don't have to get vaccinated and stuff like that. And on the other hand, there are the people who know that it's a really um, terrible disease and we have to work together to uh, overcome this pandemic. And on this side, the Green Party is standing. So we were, uh, during the corona crisis, helping the government, uh, even if we are not in the government, to work against this pandemic. And um, we still uh, have a lot of ideas how we can make schools safe uh, so that people, the younger people who cannot be vaccinated, can go to school and can uh, learn and meet their friends because that's so important and, and don't have to be at home all the time. Uh, so fighting against the coronavirus is still uh, a big topic for us uh, in the government, but also in the opposition. 
Suda asked the politicians to describe how they think Germany will change after Merkel's departure. The SPD's Barley said she would have answered differently if she was asked that question before the pandemic. Because, um, I mean, I, I was a minister in her cabinet, so I know her really well, and I do appreciate a lot of what she has done for this country. Although neither in political content nor in political style, I, I actually share what she, what she has done. But um, since the pandemic, we have seen this division in our country that we have seen in so many countries, and we have seen that uh, our federal system makes things more complicated than in other countries. So um, we are now in, in a position where economy is still going extremely well compared to other parts of the world, um, where we have a level of a living standard that is high, very high compared to other countries. But still you have in some parts of society this huge sense of dissatisfaction, of not feeling um, recognized. And I think this is the big challenge that we have to face. It is probably a fight that we will have to, to win globally. We have to fight disinformation especially. But this is a huge challenge for Germany and uh, I hope that the next government, whoever it is going to be, will, will tackle that. Schulze, who is with the Greens, said Merkel's departure presents new opportunities. Probably um, a lot of people will feel like I'm feeling, you know, you, 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 you know Germany with Angela Merkel. And even if you're not always uh, agree with her politics, she is she was our chancellor for now 16 years. So that's, of course, shaped the society and also shaped the younger people um, in, in this country. And I guess a lot of people will look at uh, these 16 years with one sad eye because Angela Merkel, for example, uh, did a good job representing uh, Germany in the uh, policy with other countries in the transatlantic relationships and stuff like that. But on the other hand, at least for me, there will be also a kind of a relief. Now something new can start. Now, and now we are really on a, an exciting point in our country where the people have the decision to make who should be the next chancellor of Germany and how can we tackle the many, many challenges we have, starting with uh, um, fighting against climate change, digitalization, democracy issues, uh, social security issues. There are so many things which we have to tackle really badly. And this is then now the job uh, for the new uh, government. And I really hope and I'm rooting for and I'm fighting for that the Greens will be in this government for a brighter future for Germany. The CDU's Hans also spoke about transatlantic relations. In the last years, in my opinion, we did not focus enough on fulfilling our, our promises according to um, funding of the military and relying on what we need to do according to our NATO obligations. And that's also why Armin Laschet and also Ms. Kramp-Karrenbauer, who is uh, our um, Minister for the Military Issues and also an important partner to, to all of our NATO allies, they both have stated that with the CDU we want to comply to the 
obligation to fund the military and to take our role in defending freedom and our prosperity in the world and working closely together with our NATO partners and, of course, with America and the American administration. And that is also why I'm pretty confident that the German-American relations will, will flourish in the future. So will German voters go with a traditional choice on September 26th? Or will the federal election end up with a surprise upset? We will continue to watch this horse race very closely. Thanks for listening to this special episode by Out of Order and Common Ground on the German federal campaign season. I'm Common Ground host Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and I was joined by GMF's Suda David Wilp, Senior Transatlantic Fellow and the organization's Deputy Director in Berlin. Out of Order's hosts are Peter Sparding, Rachel Tausenfreund, and Sidney Simon. You can find out more about German Marshall Fund podcasts at gmfus.org. Common Ground senior producer is Dina El-Sayed, and our Arthur F. Burns fellow is Stephanie Wolf. Our social media editor is Manuel Sierra Alonso. Common Ground is made possible through a grant administered by the German Ministry for Economic Affairs and Energy. Our episodes are available wherever you get your podcasts. If you are on Apple, we'd love for you to write a review on Common Ground. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Spotify. And be sure to also check our website, commongroundberlin.com. 